Romans chapter 12 again. We'll be here for a little while. Romans chapter 12. We began this passage last week and we've entitled this little mini-series, Spiritual Gifts, The Design and Diversity of Ministry in Christ's Body. Design and diversity, that's exactly what is in mind here when Paul opens the 12th chapter as he begins to apply those famous two verses that begin chapter 12 about presenting our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God with minds that have been transformed by the gospel and refuse being conformed to the thinking of the world. The application then, first and foremost, goes to how we operate and how we function within the body of Christ. Let me read these verses to set them in your mind, and then we'll isolate just one today for our study. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound or sober judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The human body is... Amazing. And any study of it always produces wonder in the heart of the scientific and obviously worship of the great creator and designer in the heart of a believer. Listen to these astonishing facts, and these are just a few. I could go on for all the afternoon, but just a few that I've isolated from Science Daily. Human fingers are so sensitive that if your fingers were the size of the earth, you could feel the difference between a house and a car. With 60,000 miles of blood vessels, now just let that sink in, 60,000 miles of blood vessels inside the average human body, you could circumnavigate the earth two and a half times. The human eye is so sensitive that if the earth were flat, you could spot a candle flickering at night from up to 30 miles away. Nerve impulses travel to and from the brain 
at speeds of up to 250 miles per hour. This was interesting to me, and I'm not sure what good this will do you, but I did find it interesting. <laughs> when you blush, the lining of your stomach blushes too. I just want to know who found that out. <laughs> the human brain can read up to 1,000 words per minute. I don't mean to disturb you, but inside your belly button are thousands of bacteria that form an ecosystem the size of an entire rainforest. That'll edify you. When in love, the human brain releases the same cocktail of neurotransmitters and hormones that are released by amphetamines. This leads to increased heart rate, loss of appetite, loss of sleep, and an intense feeling of excitement. Humans can actually see ultraviolet light. The ability, however, is filtered out by the eye lens, and some people have undergone eye surgery to remove that lens, and they can actually detect ultraviolet light. I'm not even going to try to count these zeros. But an adult is made up of seven octillion atoms. And just for some perspective, there's a measly 30, excuse me, 300 billion stars in our galaxy. Your muscles are incredibly more powerful than they appear to be. Human strength is limited to protect our tendons and muscles from harming ourselves. This limitation can be removed during an adrenaline rush, during which some people have lifted boulders or even cars off of themselves. It might surprise you to know that humans are the best long-distance runners on the planet, better than any four-legged animal. If you trace back hundreds and even tales thousands of years ago, and even current tales in Africa, in tribal villages, a person can chase any creature faster than it, than him, for miles and miles until that creature actually dies of exhaustion before the human will be tired. A full head of human hair is strong enough to support 12 tons. In 30 minutes, the human body gives off enough heat to bring a gallon of water to boil I was surprised by this. We have the same amount of hairs on our body as a chimpanzee, but most of them are so fine that they are invisible. Human bone is as strong as granite. A block of bone the size of a matchbox could support nine tons of weight. If the human brain were a computer, it could perform 38,000 trillion, I think that's a lot, 38,000 trillion operations per second. The world's most powerful supercomputer can manage only 0.002% of that. The focusing muscles of your eye move around 100,000 times a day to give your leg, that, leg muscles that same workout you'd need to walk 50 miles. For every pound of fat or muscle gained, your body creates seven miles of new blood vessels. 
your body produces 25 million new cells every second. Every 13 seconds, you produce more cells than there are people in the United States. Every 13 seconds. Humans are bioluminescent, and actually we glow in the dark. The light that we emit is 1,000 times weaker than our human eyes are able to pick up, and most animals can see you glowing in the dark. <laughs> this is disturbing. Humans shed 40 pounds of skin in their lifetime, and we completely replace our outer skin every month. In one day, your blood travels 12,000 miles around your body. Along with five traditional senses that we all know, sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste, the human, a human has 15 other senses. They include balance, temperature, pain, suffocation, hunger, thirst, fullness. The human brain uses 20% of the entire body's oxygen calorie and calorie intake, despite only accounting for about 2% of adults' body mass. This is interesting. If you stretch out the 300 million capillaries in your lungs end to end, they would line, they would create a line that would extend from Seattle to San Diego. Ladies don't get too arrogant about this, but... Some women see more colors than everyone else. And by everyone else, I'm assuming he means men. So I'm not sure what options there are. Most, have three type, most people have three types of color receptors to see color vision, while some women have four or even five of these receptors and can see a wider range of colors. So don't knock us if we don't match. <laughs> by we, I mean those other people. A condition called synthanasia can cause senses to overlap. In other words, some people can taste or hear colors. My wife and I know a, um, a girl who has this, in this uh, um, phenomenon, and she actually sees color with music. So when she plays music, she, every chord and every note has a color. So she can play by color. <laughs> the need to breathe so much is not due to our need for oxygen, but our need to dispel carbon dioxide. If there was a different way to dispel carbon dioxide in the blood, we would need only to breathe at a rate of once per minute. One more. Crying alleviates stress physically and allows humans to decrease feelings of anger and sadness by... using intercellular connections and communication, it does physically help to, quote, let it all out. Now, why take a minute to talk about all that? The body, the human body, is an amazing machine, and it indicates the divine design and genius of a great creator. And that creator, Colossians chapter 1 says, was not, was not just uh, some nebulous God up in the sky. It was, get this, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is the one who created every person in this miraculous structure. Think of all this in one person and multiply that times the number of people in the world and the number of people who ever lived. 
I love the words of David in Psalm 139. You can say it with me. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, my soul knows it well. Now, it makes perfect sense, and the reason I took the time to reintroduce you to some of those facts, it makes perfect sense why Paul would use the human body to illustrate the church. Both are amazing creations of God. Both are organisms created by his genius. And the illustration of the church as a body, literally Christ as the head and us as his body and body parts, is the central passage, central focus rather, of the passage here in Romans chapter 12. And the theme that runs throughout this whole passage, will run throughout the rest of the chapter actually, is this. Unity in the body of Christ is attained through diversity. The differences in the body are intended by God to create a substantial, monolithic, presentable, discernible unity in the church. And these exhortations in verses 3 to Remember, flow out of Paul saying, present your body as a living and holy sacrifice to God, all that you are physically. Let your mind be transformed into gospel thinking and away from earthly conformity. And because of that, the first application is we were faithful in the exercise of our gifting and giftedness in the church. And so he uses here in this passage his favorite and most extensively and elaborately explained metaphor for the church, he uses the body. The body of Christ, where Jesus is the head, and we are body parts. We began this study last week by kind of introducing our outline that's going to extend over the next few weeks. Three ingredients for faithful ministry in the body of Christ. Three ingredients for faithful ministry in the body of Christ. And the first is in verse 3. Again, this is review. A proper evaluation of self in the body of Christ. A proper look at your own heart. A proper evaluation of you. A proper evaluation of self in the body of Christ. Verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but... To think in a sober, not to be intoxicated with yourself, but to think soberly, soundly with judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. This is review, but we said that the grease, the actual oil, the gasoline that makes all of the moving parts of the church work is humility, which is the opposite of of pride. Pride is the greatest destructive force in the body of Christ. Paul understands that. That's why he addresses it most. That's why he addresses it first. The crushing of pride and the pursuit of humility synthesize into the way we grow as believers and the way we serve our master and the way that we minister to one another. It's pride. We looked at this last week. Remember that there are two expressions of pride. One is arrogance, which says, look at me and how great I am. The other is self-pity, which says, feel sorry for me and feel as great about me as I do about me. Let's all feel sorry for me. That's pride as well. Paul says, if you're going to serve in the body of Christ, it begins by not thinking too highly of yourself. And in Philippians, he told them, that means that you're thinking more about others, their needs, their wants, their desires, their lives than your own. That we are created in Christ Jesus, get this, to make everyone's life around us better 
even and especially at the expense of our own pursuits. And if everyone did that, we would all be cared for. Well, that was review, and that's what we looked at last week. Today, we're just going to look at this second ingredient in verses 4 and 5. Number two, the second ingredient for faithful ministry in the body of Christ is this. A functional, that means it works, a functional understanding of ministry in the body of Christ. Does your understanding of your ecclesiology, your doctrine of the church, your understanding of your part in the church function? Does it work? Verse 4. For just as we have many members, stop right there. The word members here and in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians is Paul's shorthand for members of your physical body. It's body parts. As we'll see in a few minutes, it's inward parts, your organs, your connective tissue, your muscles that you don't see. It's also external parts, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your feet, your hands. We have many parts of the body. Just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function. He's beginning with the analogy of the physical body and about to move into the comparison with the body of Christ, with with the church. So he starts out here looking at the, the human body. We have many body parts and all the members don't have the same function. This is an analogy and in engaging the analogy of the human body, Paul's going to accent the reality that the human body is characterized by both unity and diversity, and that so does the body of Christ. He begins, the human body has many members. Pala mele, many, lots, parts, members. And I love this next little phrase. And the various members have distinct functions. He says they do not all have the same function. It's from the word praxin in the Greek, from which we get praxis in the Latin, from which we get practical in the English. They all have a practical function. All of our body parts have a function. Now let's collate this just for a moment with what Paul says about the body illustration to the Ephesians and to the Corinthians. Remember Ephesians 4, 4, he says there's one body and one spirit, speaking of the church as the body of Christ, just as you also are called into one hope of your calling. Ephesians 4, 16. From whom the whole body being fitted together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The body works toward its own health. 1 Corinthians 10, 17, Since there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake, partake of one bread. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, For even as, one, as the body is one and has many parts or members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Now you are Christ's body. How explicit is that? You are Christ's body and individually members of it. And then to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 12, he says, We've been given gifts in the body for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. All your body parts 
matter. All of your organs matter. All of your joints matter. Everything has a purpose, whether you know it or not. Had a pretty interesting, uh, life-changing, dramatic introduction into this this past August, as I've shared with you, when I found out that I have diabetes. My pancreas stopped working, stopped working right. I don't think I had ever thought one time in my whole life about my pancreas until that happened. And now I think about it all day, every day, before, after, during, every meal. It's a constant thought because it's not working right. We are parts of the body, and when one part doesn't work right, the whole body is aware That's the analogy that builds into the principle here in verse 5. So we. He moves from the, talking about the human body, so we. Now he's talking about the body of Christ. Just like there are many parts and one body in our physical bodies, so we, who are many, are one body, here's the analogy, in Christ. And this is incredible. And individually members, you would expect him to say of it or of Christ. You know what he says? We're individually members of one another. We're parts of one another. We function with one another. Now, I find this really interesting because I would expect Paul, after verse 4, to say in verse 5 that the body of Christ corresponds to the human body in such a way that it's marked up by all these different parts and diversity of, of, of functions. Instead, though, he talks about unity. Tom Schreiner writes, the diversity in the body is doubtless implied in giving in the giving giving the given the wording of verse 4 but Paul surprises the reader by emphasizing unity rather than diversity in the body of Christ in verse 5 we are different so that we work together for unity now I want to share with you something over the next few minutes that, um, that I, I hope is encouraging to you many years ago probably two decades plus ago I read a book uh, by Paul Brand and Philip Yancey uh, called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. I pulled it off the shelf this week to look at again. It's, uh, it was just marked through with faded yellow highlighter and, and ink pen writings, and I can see my, my handwriting from you know, half a life ago, and it's almost a diary. He talks about the diversity and interrelationship of all the parts of the human body, but he's a, a cellular biologist and doctor. Speaking of the cells, and this is extended, but I think you'll be blessed by it, and the analogy will be informed by it. He says this, speaking of cells, our human cells. He says, I am struck, Dr. Brand does, I am struck by their variety Chemically, my cells are almost all alike. But visually and functionally, they are as different as the animals in the zoo. Red blood cells, discs, uh, discs resembling lifesaver life candies, voyage through my blood loaded with oxygen to feed the other cells. Muscle cells, which absorb much of that nourishment, are sleek and supple, full of coiled energy. Cartilage cells with shiny black nuclei 
look like bunches of black-eyed peas glued tightly together for strength. Fat cells seem lazy and heavy laden, like bulging white plastic garbage bags jammed together. Bone cells live in rigid structures that exude strength. Cut in cross-section, bones resemble three tree rings, overlapping strength with strength, offering impliability and sturdiness. In contrast, skin cells form undulating patterns of softness and texture that rise and dip, giving shape and beauty to our bodies. They curve and jut at unpredictable angles so that every person's fingerprint, and not to mention his or her face, is unique. The aristocrats of the cellular world are the sex cells and nerve cells. A woman's contribution, the egg, is one of the largest cells in the human body, its ovoid shape just visible to the unaided eye. You can actually see one with the naked eye. It seems fitting that all the other cells in the human body should derive from this elegant and primordial structure. In contrast, great contrast to the egg's quiet repose, the male's tiny sperm cells are furiously flagellating tadpoles with distended heads and skinny tails. They scramble for position as if competitively aware that only one of the billions and billions will gain the honor of fertilization. The king of cells, the one that I've devoted much of my life to, to studying, is the nerve cell. The nerve cell has an aura of wisdom and complexity about it. Spider-like, it branches out and unites the body with a computer network of dazzling sophistication. Its axons, or wires, carry distant messages to and from the human brain And they can reach, this is one cell, up to three feet in length. I never tire of viewing these varied specimens or thumbing through books which render cells. Individually, they seem seem puny and oddly designed, but I know these invisible parts cooperate to lavish me with the phenomenon of life. My body employs a bewildering zoo of cells, none of which individually resembles the larger body. Just so, Christ's body comprises an unlike assortment of humans. I love that phrase. Unlike, unlikely is precisely the right word, for we are decidedly unlike one another and the one whom we follow. From whose design come these comical shapes which so faintly reflect the ideals of the body as a whole? Christ. The body of Christ, like our own bodies, is composed of individual unlike cells that are knit together to form one body. He, I love this, He is the whole thing. And the joy of the body increases as individual cells realize they can be diverse without becoming isolated outposts. He goes on to talk about a cancer cell which operates rogue individually and only for itself 
And ultimately, its selfishness is lethal. So, we are parts, body parts, of Jesus' body on the earth, intended to work together. So what I wanted to do in our remaining time is very simply and very briefly flesh that out. Let's look at the implications from this illustration. If we are the body of Christ, let's apply that. Let's find the implications. What are the implications that Paul intends and that Paul is going to begin to explain in this passage and in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians where he uses this illustration extensively? Implications from the illustration, obviously, that we are Christ's body. And these are things I want you to talk about with your husband, your wife, your family. These are things that you can talk about in your care group to flesh this out. The intention is to understand the illustration for application. Define the implications. What does it imply? First of all, and I think I have about seven of them here. It implies specialization in ministry. Specialization. Body parts have specialized functions or praxis or practical applications, as he says. Let me be specific. Each of you, eye contact. Everyone look at me just for a second. You, if you feel like I'm speaking to you, I am individually and corporately. Individually, you specifically, you, not the person beside you and speaking to you, is a specialized contribution to the body of Christ and the ministry, not just globally, but here at Mission Road. You are a puzzle piece designed for this puzzle that can only fit in that spot. So if Mission Road Bible Church is a puzzle and we look at it, you are a piece. Is your piece fitting in with only your new unique contours that can fit in that specific place? Or are you absent? You have been specialized. And in the coming two weeks, we're going to look at your specialization in this ministry through gifting. You have a specialized design and a specialized ministry so the people around you are blessed because they know you and go to church with you. And listen, everyone has a specialized ministry. Everyone is a part. Which leads to, secondly, diversity in ministry. We're not all alike. Diversity in ministry. You are not exactly like anyone else. You may have similar gifting. We have lots of teachers in our church. They don't always teach this. They don't all teach alike, I should say. They teach the same truth, but express it differently. We have different preachers in our church who come and share this pulpit. We all express our gifts differently, communicating the same truths. You don't serve in the same way. You don't give in the same way, but you're diversified. And that's a blessing. Listen, Please listen. God has intended for us to be uniquely different so that we can serve each other and show a lost and dying world what people who aren't alike and have nothing in common and should not even like each other look like under Christ's rule. I'm going to tell on some of you. Some of you have talked to me about, I'm not sure I fit in that care group. You don't! For good reason! 
The diversity and the awkward uncomfortableness is God's design to have cells and joints and physical parts move together for God's glory and your good. We're diversified. Thirdly, we're unified. Unity in ministry. Our unique gifts are to work in purpose with each other, not in competition. It doesn't matter who's the best teacher, the best preacher, the best Sunday school leader, the best server, the best giver. It matters that you're playing your part. First, second, and third violin competing sound like a screeching train wreck, but played together, they have harmony. We're unified. A disunified, ununified body is an anomaly. We don't compete with each other. Can you imagine walking down the street and finding someone as gross as this might be? You walk past them, there's a person standing there on the street corner with their fists, bludgeoning their face. They have a swollen eye, missing teeth, and a bloody nose punching themselves. Would you not think that's odd? And yet... When we don't resolve issues and conflict in the body of Christ, that's what we show Christ's body to be. It's an embarrassment, a tragedy. Next, coordination in ministry. We actually function together. We coordinate in ministry. We're able to work together in ministry just as the parts of our body work together So are you using your gifts to make others work better and more smoothly? And are others functioning with you to maximize your giftedness? Value. I love this value in ministry. The, the implication that probably most means most to me is this. This illustration shows the value in ministry of each body part. No one should assume or feel that he or she is inferior, less important, or invaluable to any other person in the ministries of our precious church. There is no ministry more important than than any others. My ministry, it may be one that most people know about, but it's no more important than yours that few know about. Paul talks about this. In 1 Corinthians, you can just listen or turn there if you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he really explores this analogy even more than here in in Romans 12. We will come back to this in the coming weeks, by the way. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, For the body is not one part or member, but many. He almost gets humorous. He gives voice and anthropomorphizes body parts. If the foot says, as if your foot could talk, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? Of course not. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? He brings the nose in. But now God has placed the members, the parts, each of them, each one of them in the body. Please don't miss this. Just as he desired, our church is made up not only of the members, parts, gifts that he desired. It's made up of just the ones he wants here. 
If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, not, not just one, but there's one body. If the eye can, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are actually necessary. And those members of the body which deem less honorable, that means less valuable, huh. on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become more presentable the things you can't even see your organs. I thank God for pancreases now. At least yours. <laughs> Just think of the billions of functions your internal organs are doing right now. You're not even aware. Whereas God... Our more presentable members have no need of it. We can't say that. God has composed the body giving abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body. Spiritual gifting can cause divisions where you think I'm better than you or less important than another. But they would all care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. When one part of your body is in distress, your whole body reacts. Doesn't it? If you're building something and you smash your thumb knowing it's going to be black by the afternoon, do you just think, ah, that's hurting, but I'm just going to think about my good hand and how wonderful this feels and that pain will go away. No! <laughs> I've told you this illustration. It's silly, when we were when I played baseball in high school and in college, we had this stupid thing called don't rub it. Remember that, baseball players? You're standing in the batter's box, you get hit in the shoulder with a pitch, and every from the one from the dugout says, Don't rub it. And everything in you wants to grab your shoulder and cry like a junior high girl. Not that junior high girls cry a lot, but anyway, you want to do that. But you just want to go, oh, that's unnatural. It's natural when one part of your body hurts that the whole body responds. And so it should be in Christ's body. Which leads to our next dependence in ministry. Just two more. Dependence. We need each other. We need each other's ministry. We'll be incomplete without it. You have a ministry in the body of Christ, and if you're not doing it and exercising your gifts, someone and perhaps everyone in our church is lacking because of that. You have a part to play. Not some people, everyone. Which leads to this last, well-being, health. Health in ministry. If part of the body does not function as it should, we are sick or lame or unhealthy as a church. Our well-being is dependent on each other's faithfulness to exercise our gifts for, towards, with each other. We're stronger together. Remember Ecclesiastes 4.12? One can be overpowered who's alone, Two can resist someone, but a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. We're stronger and better together. 
In order to do this, we'll, we'll talk about this in the next few weeks, but in order to do this rightly, we have to let go of this American individualism that is bred into us from our birth where we're just standing alone and realizing that we're not only dependent on others, but others are dependent on us for their spiritual health here at our church. Christ has built his church with the gospel that he died for the sins of those who believe, rose from the grave to give them hope so that the church would not ever be seen as a place for events or an answer for our selfish consumerism. This is a living organism, not an organization. That's too sterile. It's an organism. It's a living, it's a living reality in which he is the head communicating to us as the brain to the parts to do the work of ministry and care for one another. How do I do that? What should I do? What are my gifts? I'm glad you asked because that's the next verse. few verses. If you don't know Christ, you miss out on all this contribution and the blessing of reception. You miss it all. What fool would say, no, I don't want to be blessed by that kind of ministry? And what kind of fool would say, I don't want to be a part of the living body of Jesus Christ?